Hello, I'm Luca De Giglio, and this is the Web3 in Travel podcast, where you can learn about crypto, blockchain, and how the new internet will change travel. In this podcast, I will assume you know absolutely nothing about crypto. And I will take you in a journey of discovery, which will hopefully blow your mind. All right, so let's get started. So let's get started from where we are. We are now in uh, 2021 and we are in the middle of the Web2 world. In a way, um, I like to uh, separate the Web in three different eras. The Web1, which is the Web from the 90s to more or less 2008, 2010. And Web2, which is the web from that time to now. And Web3, which is the web we are starting to see now. And it's going to define the next decade. Uh, So what's the big difference between the three of them? Uh, Web1 is the web before the big people, the big guys and the big money came in. It's the web of the little people, uh, people who did websites and kind of got found by organic search in pre-Google and in Google. So it was the web which small companies used and uh, people used them for their own interest. It was very vibrant and full of opportunities. And uh, we were just experimenting basically with that. And then when the big capitals and the big companies realized what the internet was, so something much bigger than anybody could actually anticipate, We saw a big influx of money. We saw native companies, so internet native companies, be created. Many were destroyed in the 2001 crash of the dot-com. But after that, we really saw the emergence of uh, enormous companies like Google, Amazon, and so on. And that allowed the emergence of the whole startup economy in which capital was chasing innovation in a big way and which led later to the emergence of companies like Facebook, Airbnb to to stay in the travel industry and so on. Web3 started with Bitcoin. It started then in 2009, so it's already 11 years ago. And it slowly grew into something more and more powerful. Web3 is again, in a way, the web of the people in the fact that we can finally own our own assets. So don't worry if you're confused right now, but let's just keep it simple. Web1, small web made of what people did. Web2, the web of corporations. That's when the web really matured and became part of our lives big time web three the people get back control of part of the internet and the most powerful thing is to understand this concept is that in web two the web we live in right now we don't don't really own anything right we do not own our listings in the booking sites we do not own the reviews we do not own our customers we don't pay for anything and at the same time we do not own anything the only thing we really own maybe is um, the domain names because we pay for them in web3 we will own all those things the technology is there already so it's kind of a way to say that instead of having free stuff on company servers we pay for those stuff but we own them And let me now tell you a little bit how this will work. So every time in Web2, you interact with a platform, let's say Booking.com or Airbnb, and I will talk a lot about those because they have the biggest impact in our lives if you work in the travel industry and also if you just use them for travel. What you do with them is you open an account. You get into a website and they say, okay, do you want to be here? please open an account. And opening an account means creating a password associated with an email. This allows these platforms to recognize us and give us personalized services, right? 
And this allows them to say, okay, build a listing and we, this listing belongs to you. Now, what happens behind the scenes when we create an account? Well, there's a place on a database where our email and our password is stored. So the company has control of this account. If they decide tomorrow that this account should be closed, they will close it. And if Airbnb decides that you cannot have an account with them anymore, you won't have an account with them anymore. So in a way, it's like we have been um, encouraged in the last 10 years to create accounts in companies' platforms on which we have no real control. And the word which we are slowly learning is that platforming is when maybe YouTube or Instagram or Airbnb shuts down your account. And while this is really convenient, because it's easy, you put your email, you put your password, you're in. Don't worry about anything. And even if you lose your password, there's easy ways to retrieve it. We got kind of used to think that these accounts are our own accounts, right? My Airbnb account, my reviews on Airbnb, my Facebook account, my Instagram account, my likes on Facebook, my followers on Twitter. And we kind of forget that this is not ours. And it's really painful when it happens that you lose access to these accounts. This happens rarely, like statistically, it's not very, you know, the probability is pretty low that you lose them, but it can happen. Imagine now how painful it would be to lose all your reviews on, on Airbnb. Now, 10 years after you started. And imagine how those reviews are incredibly important for your business, right? I know it's hard to kind of accept it, but you could lose them tomorrow morning. Now, we don't like, we as humans don't like to think about extreme negative things. We want to go on with our lives, etc. So when there's no option, when there's no alternative, you just go, you do your business, you hope everything goes well. There's so many risks in life anyway. But when at a certain point you start hearing that there's a better way, then maybe you should work toward a better way. What if I told you that there is a way in which the listing belongs to you? and no one can take it away, in which the reviews are written by the guests for your listing and nobody can take them away, in which you have total control of everything you do and you have total ownership of everything you do online. What if I told you that you could create one listing and then instead of opening an account on an OTA, simply give temporary permission to the OTA to interact with your listings. So your calendars, your listings, your reviews, your customers, they are in your own wallet, so in your own control. And an OTA springs up and says, well, I would like to use, use your listing. Can, can I list it? And you say yes. And you don't create an account with them, you just give them permission. And when you don't want to work with them anymore, you just remove that permission. Another way to see this is um, imagine what's happening now to be like you're working on somebody else's land. You're building your castle on the sand of an Airbnb account. If Airbnb decides that you're out, you're out. And the alternative is to say, okay, we're going to leave this land. We're going to build our own. We're going to own our own land. And you move, you, you leave, let's say, feudalistic Europe, you take a boat and you go to the Americas. Where were the Americas so interesting and so attractive? Because well, there were no kings. And when people build them, they said, okay, there's not going to be kings here. There's going to be equals. People are going to own their own land. They're going to be free and they're going to create wealth, knowing that they can own their wealth. This is exactly what happened when people started moving to this new continent. And what's happening right now in the web is the same. There's a new continent where you can own your own land and you can build on top of it. Now, I know this sounds very theoretical. And in the travel industry, this is very theoretical. Uh, but this is happening already in real life in other industries. At the moment, it's happening in uh, finance, which is, I know is very boring. But it gets really, even finance gets really exciting when you 
you start seeing that you can actually own stuff. And uh, since early 2021, we've seen the emergence of NFTs, another technology which has been around for a few years already, but which went mainstream just lately. And NFTs at the moment allow artists to own the relationship with their customers, which basically means sell their art for a lot of money instead of for very little money, which basically means not anymore just a few artists making a lot of money, but many artists making from a little money to medium money to good money to great money. So it's much more distributed. If you're an artist today, NFTs are very attractive because you can actually make a living even if you're not a very famous one. So what does all this mean if you are in the travel industry? Let's keep it simple. It means you're going to make a lot of more money than now, mostly because a lot of the money we, the value we create today is captured by a few big players. Once these big players are removed or they have a lesser impact on the transactions we have, there's more money for us or there's cheaper prices for people who buy our services. That's that simple. It's probably the closest thing to what happened with the phone and communication. Some of you may remember when calling abroad was very expensive, like a few dollars per minute. And all of us know how cheap it is today to call. It's actually free. So actually not even call, but video calls, uh, Zoom calls, voice messages, everything is free. What happened is that the, the middleman, so the telecom company, who was profiting out of every single call, has been disrupted by a technology called the internet, which is decentralized and based on open protocols. Now, decentralized and open protocols. You may have heard these terms about cryptocurrencies and blockchain, decentralized open protocols. What, what does it mean? Well, it's pretty simple, right? Let's, let's think about something even earlier, like something which happened earlier. We used to send letters. To send some information, we had to get uh, a piece of paper. So we basically had to kill a tree and treat it <laughs> into paper. And then we had to get some ink, uh, squeezing some squids or some of the ink is made. Then we had to write stuff on the piece of paper. And then we had to put this paper into another piece of paper, an envelope. And then we had to buy a piece of paper from the tobacco shop, which is, you know, a specific piece of paper called a stamp. And then we had to bring this uh, letter to the post office or put in some mailbox. And then some person had to bring this paper to the post office and then post off, you know, the whole thing. It took a long time it was really really expensive just for one information and all we wanted to do was sending information we didn't really want to send pieces of paper around the world and then the internet and uh, the internet is an open protocol which basically means it's a way to do things everybody knows how to do and share it's shared right that's how we're going to send information around the world. Let's agree we use the same way and it's going to work for everybody. That's an open protocol. On top of this open protocol, another open protocol was invented, which was the POP, Post Office Protocol, which is email. Basically, open ways to send information on the internet were invented and we had email. And with email, you just write something on a computer and you send it immediately. So that made letters obsolete very, very quickly. Right? It's, it's, it's a wonder we still use them in some ways, but you know, all technologies have a hard time dying, but we can, I think, very confidently say that uh, letters are over and email is, well, email was, was actually the, the new thing. is not even the new thing anymore. We, we have much better and many, many, not better, but more alternatives, uh, alternative ways to, to send information today. So that's what open protocols do. They basically make obsolete whole industry. Email replacing post offices and the internet replacing telecom companies 
which were not actually replaced, but they had to change their job. They used to charge us for the phone calls, and now they charge us for the internet connection. And in that $20, 30 $40, $10, $50, we pay a month for the internet. We can squeeze in tens of thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars of, of communication price, which we, we would have normally paid, right? When you do a one-hour Zoom call, imagine how much they would have charged you for that. What I want to say here is open protocols on decentralized technologies, destroy industries, replace industries, and make everything better, faster, and cheaper. So why am I talking about what happened 25 years ago and 20 years ago and 10 years ago? Because this is happening again. Open protocols on decentralized technologies. That's what's happening with Web3. We are using new open protocols on decentralized technologies, this time not for information, but for something else. Let's pause a bit here and think about, again, what the internet is, because we really need to remember and understand what the internet is to appreciate what's happening to the internet. So the internet, what does it do? I mean, it does a million things, right? It really changed our lives in, in an incredible number of ways. But what does it actually do? Well, the internet does one thing. The internet sends information very quickly and very cheaply. We think it's free. It's not free. There's a whole infrastructure behind it. But it really costs us nothing to send a WhatsApp message, right? Because it's actually costing 0.00 and many, many, many zeros, one cents but we bundle this into the internet connection. So the internet sends information. That's all it does. What will happen if the internet learns? So I'm going to give agency to the internet and talk about it like it's something alive. Maybe it's an easier way to think about it. What if the internet learns to do something else? What if the internet learns to send value the big news here is that the internet has learned to send value. As I was saying at the beginning of the podcast, I'm going to assume you don't know anything about crypto and blockchain. So I am not talking a lot about travel at the beginning. And as these concepts become more understandable, then we're going to get into applications in travel. Let us focus for a moment on what value is for us on the internet today. So then later we can understand why it's important that we can manage it ourselves. So what do we have valuable online today? Think about your life. What is something that is valuable for you? And by valuable, I mean something that if you lose it, it really sucks. Let's make a few examples. Let's say you lose your Facebook account and you cannot access it anymore. For some of us, that will be a blessing. Uh, maybe we realize later that it's a blessing, but let's just say that you want to have your Facebook account and you want to be able to contact your friends and see what they're doing, etc. And tomorrow you lose access to it. Maybe because you just lose your account and you're not able to retrieve it. So you lose access to Facebook. It sucks. Well, Facebook is valuable to you. Same thing with LinkedIn. You, in the years, you've made many connections. Sometimes you found a job there or a business opportunity. You lose access to your LinkedIn account. It sucks. Well, then LinkedIn is valuable for you. You have uh, uh, an Airbnb account. You lose access to it. You lose all your thousand reviews. I suppose that's going to really impact even more than Facebook if you are working on Airbnb, right? You have a website. Uh, this website is really important for you. And you have a domain name and you lose access to the domain name. It got stolen, hacked, whatever. This sucks. Great. That was valuable for you. Okay. I could go on a long time, but this is kind of the concept. Whatever you think would suck to lose is valuable to you. Why aren't we, aren't we really worried about these things? Well, because there are companies who take care of it. They are pretty safe. I would say I'm not really worried that my account gets hacked. Even if it gets hacked, my bank will probably 
kind of find a way to give me the money back, et cetera, et cetera. The chances that Airbnb shuts down my account are very low. So everything is fine. Why are we even talking about new technologies and, and, and disrupting what's happening today? Well, I don't think the problem here is that we should worry about losing access to those accounts because through these accounts, these very companies make their, their, their living, right? So our interests are aligned. The thing is that whenever a company or a government acquires too much power, they tend to abuse it. And I think we all are aware of how there was a beginning, a middle, and now we feel like at the end of a relationship with uh, OTAs because we feel the, the balance of power is too much, is too tilted on their, on their side. And this is very natural. It is not a surprise. That's what always happens when you give power to somebody. They try to get more out of it, especially if they are companies, because they have to optimize their earnings for the shareholder and so on, right? So we are now in a situation in which we, I think we can agree on this, or many will agree, things are okay, but we feel like a bit squeezed, right? We feel like, I don't know, aren't these companies, don't they have too much control over our life and don't they get too much money out of our transactions? This seems to be a, a thing which can bring like some improvement. Uh, Web3 can slightly improve our lives. Um, so I'm not taking it from this angle because if I'm, depending who I'm talking to, right? If I'm talking to a person who, who is fine, is making uh, a good living out of, of the travel industry, um, there's no way I'm going to convince you we should go all the way to, you know, disrupt the existing order because this order is, is really good for you. So I'm going to use fear. <laughs> uh, fear works very well. And the fear is uh, that things will change. Do you like it or not? Um, you want to keep things as they are? Uh, well, time is running out. Somebody is already working on technologies which will completely change the way things work online. And if you want to keep having a good life, uh, it's it's really good that you're listening to this podcast because it, it's going to give you uh, hints on where things are going. And this is not something which will happen because I want it or because a few nerds want it. This is just a natural evolution of the internet. The internet is becoming stronger, bigger, uh, more powerful and more impactful every day. That We want it or not that we think is a good idea or not, it's going to happen. And what's making the internet very, very powerful now is the fact that it can transact value. So let's go back to this concept of saying, so we said value is everything uh, you, you don't want to lose, right? So the internet has learned, well, 10 years ago, actually, has learned to move value in a trustless way without third parties, right? So when the first Bitcoin transaction was done, that was value sent from one person to the other without a bank in the middle. And at the time, that was just theoretical because there was no value. Today, a Bitcoin is worth tens of thousands of dollars. So it is actually value. So banks are being disrupted. Again, you don't understand why banks should be disrupted. It doesn't matter because banks will be disrupted anyway and you will adapt, right? It's really good for you to understand what's happening. Uh, you don't need to agree with what's happening, but I would really suggest to, to look at this as deep as you can because it's going to open, uh, as with every big change in technology, it's going to open new opportunities and bring new dangers to, to the status quo, right? So uh, the internet learns to send money 10 years ago. So how does this impact you? It doesn't impact you today. It will impact you in the future. Uh, at a certain point, some customers will say, you know what? I don't want to pay credit cards anymore. I want to pay with crypto. It's not really happening or it's happening at a very small scale. But as more and more people have their wealth into crypto, this is happening right now. 
Some will say, why should I go back from my crypto to this very old and inefficient system, which is the monetary system? It's called fiat money in crypto words. It's basically, you know, euro dollars and stuff. I don't want to go back there. I have all my, my wealth in crypto. I want to book a villa in Greece. I want to pay with crypto. It's not impactful today, but it's going to be in the future. So there's going to be a moment in which you will have a choice to say, I don't accept crypto and you're going to lose the, the part of customers or you're going to say, I do accept crypto and you're going to have access to those customers. And as time goes by, the part of business you're going to lose is going to just grow because more and more people will have crypto. So as again, with every technology, there's a good moment to get in. There's a moment in which it's too early and then there's a moment in which it's too late. And I, th I think every entrepreneur has to kind of interpret the best moment to get in. Is now a good moment to get in into crypto payments for travel? No, it's still early. You still have time. And actually getting in now is going to maybe be more trouble than opportunity. But I don't think it's really far. Uh, I've seen the other day this incredible <laughs> tweet, which gives you a hint of where things are going. Right? So well, this guy was trying to sell a house. Nobody would buy the house. There was not really a market for it. And then he, he put this house for sale in ETH. ETH is a cryptocurrency, the cryptocurrency of Ethereum. And the same day he sold it okay, to somebody who wanted to pay ETH. Now, there are people today and they are here today and they're getting more and more and they're gonna, the, the, the amount of money this group of people has is growing because the number of people who has money in crypto is growing and also people in crypto are having more and more money. Um, there are people today who are not going to bother exchange the crypto for fiat money to buy something. So I think we are at the stage of the curve where some of us in the travel industry should move to accepting crypto payments because there's an opportunity. Most of us should not. And all of us should kind of look, look at it and, and understand when is the best moment. Now, I have just explained to you, I've just described to you the least interesting part of crypto in travel, which is payments. Because credit cards are fine. The level of technology of crypto today paired with the adoption it has make crypto payments really not interesting for most of us. And I say this because um, when you hear about crypto and travel, for the first thing everybody thinks, okay, you can pay in cryptocurrencies. And yeah, okay, big deal. Well, it's not a big deal. Uh, it is not a big deal today and it's going to be absolutely mainstream in the future. I don't know when, okay? But it's going to be mainstream. You will accept cryptocurrencies in the future. It will be like today not accepting credit cards and just wanting to be paid in cash. Some people still do and I'm sure they have a reason to do it and maybe they're even thriving because maybe their market and their situation allows it. But unless you plan to be in that specific niche of accepting only cash or in the future accepting only credit cards, uh, I think it's, it's a good thing to, to check it out. And also, I don't think Visa and MasterCard will, will be left out of this. They will at a certain point simply add crypto payments to this. So why do you have to worry if somebody will fix the problem for you? Well, because you need to make the most of it and not be exploited. There's always a big risk that when a company comes and says, okay, that's how crypto will be accepted, you're not making the most of it. And maybe, maybe there's better ways. Maybe you can actually get crypto without paying 2-3% or without a danger of chargeback. Whatever. I don't know. It's, it's a new primitive. It's good to know what happens. Now, most people won't really worry if we just go with the flow. And that's where your hedge is. That's where you get opportunity. When you do what not most people do and you do it earlier, that's where you have your opportunities. And now, again, I don't know who I'm talking to. Maybe you are a person who just wants to have the next 10 years of, of, of your life as easy as possible. So don't even get into that stuff. 
Or maybe you are uh, a person who wants to disrupt, you want to do a startup, you want to make something really big. Well, there's a lot of opportunities coming out from, from this space, right? It's always the same curve. You can be a really early adopter, you can be a laggard, you, you, you can place yourself in the curve wherever you want. My message here is that the curve is happening. The disruption is going to happen. Try to position yourself in the best place uh, on the curve according to who you are and what your life is and what you, you want your life to be. Opportunities are enormous. And the dangers are enormous. Going back to fear. Do not expect for the 10 years to keep doing things as, as you did them for the last 10 years. This is what we could have told hoteliers just before Airbnb started, right? Don't expect that things don't change. Things change. Yeah, you don't like Airbnb. Yeah, you think it's unfair. Yeah, you think hotels, hotel rooms are better than apartments. Whatever you think, it doesn't matter. The market doesn't care. The market does its thing and you have always an opportunity to ignore or to make the most of it. And a very, I think, apt um, uh, analogy here is the, the tsunami. Think about a tsunami. You can be on the beach. You can leave the beach when you see something weird on the horizon. You can be on a boat or you could be theoretically kind of... Uh, uh, surfing it. You don't surf tsunamis, you surf waves, but think about it. So the tsunami starts, it takes a long time to come, right? And, and it's huge. Whenever it comes to the beach, it really disrupts it. If you are out on the sea on a boat and you know about the tsunami, you're not going to go back to port. You're going to be far from the shore and the tsunami passes under you. You just feel you are lifted by it, actually, okay? Lifted in the analogy is like you, you, you make the most of it. If you're close to the shore, you're going to be crushed. Uh, if you stay on the beach, you're going to be crushed. If you leave the beach, you're going to be safe. In another analogy, surfing. You can be, if you ever surfed, you know how important it is to be on the right spot. Right? Because if you are a few meters too close to the beach and the, the wave crashes on you, that's devastating, right? It really pushes you down to the bottom. You can hit yourself, uh, hit the bottom and, and, and hurt yourself. But if you're just a few meters on the right spot, farther from the beach, you can actually surf it and you harness the energy of the wave and you go really fast without any engine and you're flying. And the whole difference is where you place yourself compared to the, to, the, to the wave and how ready you are. Because you can be at the right spot, but if you cannot surf, well, nothing's going to happen, right? You're not going to move. No. So once you accept the fact that a big wave is coming, be this a tsunami or a wave, it's really important for you to, to be ready and to be in the right spot. So we were talking about value, right? We talked about uh, money, so payments, and as I was saying, this is, in my opinion, the least interesting part at the moment. What else is value? Uh, my listings, your listings on the OTAs are valuable, especially because they are connected to the most valuable thing we probably have online today, the reviews. Now, we do not own those reviews because they were written by a guest on a platform we do not own for our listing but in a way they are intimately connected to our listing so the review is for a specific listing right and the reviews are incredibly valuable how does web3 fix this problem okay it fixes it in this way so let me introduce you to the interface of web3 or how we're going to act uh, interact with websites in web3 and let's do this in a very specific way let's imagine in the future, a booking, a booking platform made for a um, native for, H, for Web3. You have a wallet. The wallet contains some private keys, which is basically a password. You are the only person in the world who knows this password, right? And when you connect to a Web3 booking platform, you don't create an account, the login and password. You click a button which says connect your wallet. 
and you connect the wallet and now the website knows your address doesn't know your private key it knows your address and it it knows this address is one account okay and then it tells you okay uh do you want to create a listing you already have the listing in your in your wallet and you say yes i want to provide my listing to you and you click some button which you basically sign and you are the only person in the world who can sign because you have the private key it's basically like having your login and password in your computer and not in their servers right you give them permission to display your listing and they display your listing your calendar your prices everything which you already have centralized in your computer basically in your wallet you give them permission to use it and they get a booking for you uh, the customer makes a booking maybe they charge you some commission 5 10 15 1 whatever customer makes the booking comes to stay everything is fine sends a review writes a review and the review is not written on the ota servers but is written on the internet let's keep it simple for now right it's written on the internet connected to your listing now your listing has one review connected to it a few years later your, your listing has a thousand reviews and then the OTA shuts down, doesn't want to work with you, whatever. Those reviews are written for your listing online. It doesn't matter if the OTA exists or not. Now those reviews are untouchable. Unless the customer wants to cancel them. But if you have a thousand reviews, even if a customer or two wants to cancel them, it's fine. So now you feel those reviews are really connected to your listing. Now you basically own those reviews. They are an asset. You don't have to be worried anymore. If an OTA says, okay, we're going to change the, the conditions, you just leave it because there's going to be many of them and then we're going to get there later why there are going to be many OTAs and not just two or three anymore. So now you own your listing, you own your reviews, you are a citizen with rights. You just pass from a feudal system in which you had no ownership and basically no rights to a rule of law system where you have ownership of your assets. And the law is in the code and is mathematics. You don't have to trust your government. You don't have to trust a tribunal or the, the, the legal system. There's nothing about that. Everything is in the internet and everything is based on code and mathematics. You can be sure that nobody will take those away from you of course you could lose them if you're not careful but that's a whole another story we're gonna get in later on right so you finally became a citizen you left feudal england of 15 16th century and you are now in the americas and you are building something in an island called manhattan which is worthless today and it's gonna be maybe worth in the future this, this kind of difference it's huge so now that you have your own assets, you understand why, what does it mean that the internet can manage value? Because these things are valuable and the internet can manage them for you. We don't need companies to do this for us anymore. We don't need governments to protect our rights anymore. Everything is done in a decentralized manner. Now, imagine that 10 years after this, where your listing has thousands of reviews, and you have a list of customers. This is also something you own, the customers, because you have a direct connection with them. And you want to change business. You want to retire. Imagine now selling your Airbnb listing, which is connected to your name. And you don't know if, you know, what happens if you sell it. Uh, will Airbnb keep it? Will they shut it down? Will they require the profile picture? I mean, the profile to be the same person. You don't know it because you don't own it. So what is the value of Airbnb listing? I don't know. Maybe you sell it. And um, you can sell it maybe for, for some money, but the buyer will not buy, pay too much because, you know, it's a bit risky. Now, in Web3, you own all these things and you can sell them on marketplaces. You will be able to sell them on marketplaces with final certainty that whoever buys them owns them. So somebody buys your listing and of course your property or has access to the property 
and they can buy for you for much, much more money. So what does it mean? You are not the serf in medieval Europe working the land for a lord. And when you want to change, of course, you couldn't even change at the time. When you want to change your profession, you have to leave everything behind. You want to go to the Americas, the, the land you work for 20 years, you have to leave it behind. Even the house you build on top of it. Now you're in a situation in which when you want to leave, you can sell. Actually, you could get offers even while you still want to work, but the offers can be interesting and you sell it. The internet allows you to own these assets. That's really important and really changes everything. And that's just the beginning. And in the, in the next podcast, we go through all the potential possible you know, things we can do, which today we cannot even imagine because we do not own those assets, right? Or today, all we can imagine is to work as much as we can and earn as much as we can on these platforms until it lasts. And then nothing is left for us. In the future, we're going to have many possibilities. And I see this today happening. I see these things happening in DeFi and in NFTs, etc. Et but we're going to get to this later on. So in this first podcast, I'm not really following some very clear logic. I'm trying to lay the ground and, and raise your interest to say, okay, this, this is cool. This is interesting. Tell me more about that. I want to listen to the next podcast, etc. So it, it may feel a bit, um, a bit, there's a bit of confusion in the way I'm, I'm explaining all this, but I just want to put things here and there to, to tell you, this is interesting. This, this could change your life. Please know that I'm not selling you anything. At the end of this podcast, there's not going to be a call to action to buy something. I feel more like one of those missionaries who say, all right, there's a new world out there, the promised land. Let's go. And I'm not selling the ticket to the promised land, by the way. So I'm trying to really raise your interest. And I have tried to do this for the last four years. And have I been successful? Very little. Very few people got interested in that but those who got interested i would say they are very happy that they did because it really opened many opportunities for them i think that what happened in the last 12 months in in crypto can be something that if shared can raise your interest even more because there's two things which can change once you get on web3 one thing is you make more money and the other thing, you can actually own your assets. If today you're making relatively little, you're going to make more. And if today you feel you have no control, you're going to have control. This is really, I mean, really big in my opinion. So money, how can you make money? Let's talk about this. And let, let me rephrase it. Uh, this is not about how you will earn five years from now. This is how you can start earning in a few months if you get deep into crypto. There's three opportunities mostly here. One opportunity is if you know what's happening, if you see a project in travel or in other spaces and you understand where it can go, it is really early. So you can actually buy tokens which are worth a little, they go a lot up and then you sell them. But I will never start from this. This is really hard to do uh, unless you have a, a grasp of, of things. Another thing, way is to help projects in this space and get tokens for, for your help. Okay, We are seeing this also starting to happen in, uh, in travel. I won't do names. I won't, I won't name names for now, companies. This is going to we will do this a bit later when, when the basics are done. But that's a good way to help companies. They give you tokens and, uh, and these tokens maybe are going to have a value. And there, there you go. You made some money. Another thing, a bit, a bit longer term, but not that longer term. I've seen this happening pretty early, actually, is uh, being hired by companies for help on web3 stuff right if you if you learn about crypto web3 blockchain even if you don't learn a lot about it but then a company needs help and they know you know they're probably gonna give you some job to do or they're gonna pay you right and i've seen this happening too that's also a great opportunity because you learn things and uh, and then you can monetize them pretty pretty fast 
And the third thing is the most incredible and probably the most impactful in the short time, and it's airdrops. Now, let me try, because this is one of those things where you say, okay, this is too good to be true. It's not true, or if it's true, it's not sustainable, etc. So let me start from, again, what's happening today in Web2. So you got companies who uh, have money for marketing. Let's say a startup. They raise a million dollars, five million dollars, ten million dollars, whatever. What do they do to reach their potential customer base? Well, they spend most of the money in Google and Facebook advertisement. That's where most of the money goes. And this money is spent to reach you because these platforms have captured our attention, completely captured our attention. That's what they do. They, they kind of treat us like uh, junkies of attention. We are always chasing the new thing on their platforms. And then they charge customers companies to reach us now we're looking at the screen they show us some advertisement and they and they get get paid for that right what's happening today there's a lot of money which goes into marketing to google and facebook mostly to reach our attention this money is not doesn't reach us right we never paid for that we we are the as we say we are the product of those companies and um, but this money is spent it's not a you know by chance that Google and Facebook are incredibly worth like their 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 value is in in the billions right? What happens if this money goes directly to us? Now what happens if these millions and hundreds of millions of dollars are spent not on Facebook to reach us but directly to us to reach us? Well, this is happening in Web three. We People of Web3, we people who are spending time on crypto are getting paid for our attention. How are we getting paid for our attention? Now, imagine you are a Web3 startup and you build a protocol which is connected to the blockchain. Now, you want to reach customers and you go to Google and Facebook. Let's say you have, I don't know, $10 million in marketing and you want to reach your customers. You go to Google and you try to profile people who are using similar protocols on the blockchain. Well, Google doesn't have that information. or Maybe it has it, but Google doesn't have the, 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 the deep information, probably. Or maybe it's expensive and there's better ways. Same thing for Facebook. So what this company do, company startups do, is they often create a token right and then they give value to the token by putting some money in the markets and we're going to go on this much later on but basically they create a token and they give it some value and then they airdrop the token airdrop means they throw it from the sky to some wallets what they do is that they analyze wallets okay let me make an example here let's say that you are and this has happened many times you are an exchange you are an exchange you are a protocol where people can exchange one token for another and you get a small commission out of it right? the, 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 the average commission in this industry for an exchange is 0.3 percent and this 0.3 percent is what you earn that's the money you make and that's how you pay back your investors in case you're a classic startup with investors right so what you do you're going to look at all the wallet addresses which I have interacted with your competitors. So you have a very focused and narrow profiling of people who use, wall, uh, who use exchanges. What you do, you take, I don't know, $10 million worth of your token and you announce that you're going to drop it to anybody who has interacted with your competitors. And people hear about that. That's how you get your attention. Hey, I got free money for you. That's where the attention goes, right? And people know about this, about your startup and they say, okay, I want to play money. They go on your website, they connect their wallet. Your website sees that that wallet interacted, so it's eligible. And you say, okay, there's $100 for you. And people click, they claim the tokens, and now you have accomplished two things, or actually three things. One, you have captured the attention. You paid $100 for capturing the attention of this customer. 
Two, you connected this customer to your website. Three, this customer now wants your token to be valuable. Some of them will sell it for $100. Some will wait. It will go to $50 or will go to $1,000. So you have spent marketing money paying directly people. I wanted to start from this because it makes sense. It's obvious. It's just spending money, marketing money in a different way. Now, what has happened in the last 12 months, because it really started in September 2020, is that anybody who has been active in, uh, in, in crypto, and by crypto, I mean the general crypto, right? Especially the Ethereum ecosystem. Those who have only played with Bitcoin haven't been blessed by this, right? But all the others, uh, we got airdrops of tokens, sometimes worth thousands of dollars each, each airdrop, sometimes worth tens of thousands of dollars. The last one I missed, and it was on my list of things to do and I didn't do it, is the, I think the XDY, the airdrop is worth, I think, $50,000 or something like that. The first one, and I'm going to tell you about this one, is Uniswap last September, the most famous, I would say, where anybody who had used Uniswap before that period got airdropped 400 of their tokens, Uni or Uni, which were worth at the time of the airdrop $3. So people got airdropped $1,000 or more, and this token even reached over $40, so $16,000 or more. And this keeps happening. Uh, I got two airdrops just yesterday, just for using platforms. Of course, this is something which may last or may not last. My bet is that in travel, airdrops are going to be pretty big. Where is the opportunity in travel? Interact early, test early, learn basically in the process the new travel protocols and get airdrop tokens just for participating because by airdropping these companies do not only buy your attention but they make you part of it especially if they are more DAOs than startups and I will explain later by what DAOs are but once you have the tokens you can vote on stuff so you're kind of part of their ecosystem so how to make money in web3 now well first of all learning by learning, it means you actually understand the basics and you understand the intricacies if you go really deep into this. And that's the most valuable thing you get out of it. And then you can sell your competence through consultancy. You can get airdrop tokens. You can earn tokens by helping companies and startups and, and DAO. And uh, because this is still early and there's relatively few people, the price, the money, catching the people who actually can help is you know, unproportional, right? So I don't think in five years we will get tens of thousands of dollars in airdrops. So if you get early, that's a really good moment to get into this. The most interesting part, or, or let's say the, the part which I want to really go a bit deeper into this is like, have you noticed what I told you? We disintermediated Facebook and Google. This industry is disintermediating them, which seems impossible. How could you get, you know, how can you skip those incredible platforms when it's happening? If Web3 is also about disintermediation, this is kind of the proof that this is happening. All right, so this is the end of our first podcast, Web3 in Travel. I really hope you enjoyed it and see you next time.